It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How's everyone doing today? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. All right. All righty. So, um, yesterday was the Super Bowl, technically, but we're recording on Sunday morning, so the game hasn't happened, and we don't know the winners, don't know who's going to lose. But my general policy regarding football more or less mirrors Juan Uribe. <laughs> but of obvious note, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be playing. He's the son of former Met reliever Pat Mahomes. He was a part of those playoff teams in 99 and 2000. Um, he's actually better in 99. And depending on what metrics you're looking at, it was the best year of his career, 1999. Uh, 99 was a pretty good year for me, not gonna lie. Um, I know you guys are more or less like barely alive, but in honor of 1999, what stuff are we gonna promote, extend, or trade? And I guess in this case, promote is stuff that like makes somewhat of a comeback, but it doesn't get as big. Extend is stuff that, you know, makes a comeback and it's big again. And trade is stuff that we just don't want to see come back at all from 1999. First up, we're going to have boy bands. Next, ah. we're going to have... <laughs> Next, we're going to have gas under $2. And last, we're going to have frosted tips. None Oof. of these are good things, Steve. Why? I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, extend uh, gas under $2 as somebody who gets viscerally angry <laughs> yes <laughs> every time i fill up my tank or or we could have things that aren't gas you know but yeah, i mean also true yes but it's a the sad reality of the world we live in right now i feel also like boy bands haven't gone anywhere look k-pop exists you know eh, that's just, like it's just not american boy bands right that's like a mutation of american boy bands i'm talking about like the nsync the the We'll, we'll say the golden boys. age. Yes, the yeah. golden age. Oh, boy. <laughs> the golden age of boy bands. That's almost oxymoronic, I think. 
I, I gotta say, I think they're my promote. Uh, just, I was at brunch yesterday and, uh, I want it that way came on and the whole place just erupted. <laughs> I think, uh, if they deliver that bit of happiness to somebody, <laughs> they're not all bad. And frosted tips, get them out of here. <laughs> I guess I'll do the same. No, you know I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna I'm gonna prom- promote the frosted tips just because I get a kick out of Guy Fieri every time he <laughs> does Triple D. You know, so. Uh, uh, I'm not happy with my decisions here. Uh, I, I not, but I don't have anything better. Yeah, this is a rough one. I think I'll promote. Um, I think I'll promote boy bands. Let them live. Let them make their money. Let us enjoy our their boy bandness. I I, I extended gas on the two dollars because, like Ken said, it's just I remember when I could fill up my entire tank from like less than a quarter for twenty bucks. So paying close to three dollars a gallon is not uh, a happiness. And I'm promoting frosted tips because a, uh, like you yeah, said, Gaffieri, and b, they're just very harmless. And then I'm gonna gonna trade the boy bands because it just wasn't my thing. All right, so we're basically split down the middle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, when I was looking at like all that stuff in 1999, it was like a lot more stuff than I even realized. Star Wars came out, Matrix came out, Sixth Sense came out, Austin Powers 2, Blair Witch Project, Green Mile. So those Blair are Witch like... Project was 1999? I thought it mm-hmm. was... I didn't realize it was that old. Fuck. So that's a lot of good movies. Um, the Dreamcast came out, Final Fantasy VIII came out, Silent Hill, Resident Evil 3, Tony Hawk, a lot of good video games. Tony I don't, Hawk. I don't watch SpongeBob, but SpongeBob came out. In 99. Oh, I yeah, never read, big deal. I never read Harry Potter, but Harry Potter came out in 1999. Whoa, 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 whoa. Very whoa, big whoa, whoa. deal. <laughs> uh, uh, we, can't, we can't just let that one slide past there. What? <laughs> well, what would I be reading Harry Potter for? I was, 13, but, I, I was 13 years old at the time. So? so I, I'm reading I, the I, entire I like series when I was a teenager. <laughs> I was reading, you know, Lord of the Rings. I don't have time for no Harry Potter. I mean, you could read both. Who has time for that when you're playing Final Fantasy VIII and Resident Evil 3? Right, you know? so I, guess, I guess I sacrifice the Final Fantasy end of this. So. <laughs> and I did have a Dreamcast, so. I my, parents, my parents never let me play video games. Oh. Well, well and, now, and now all I do is play video games, so uh, joke's on them, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's why you're the smart one here, but... Yeah, that's highly debatable. Given, given some of my prospect takes that... Uh, it might just straight up be a lie. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, this is this is our last week of going over the top twenty-five list for twenty twenty. We're going to be finishing up today, and just to recap, number twenty-five was Alexander Ramirez, twenty-four was Jake Mangum, twenty-three was Ali Sanchez, twenty-two was Stanley Consuegra, twenty-one was Daniel Nunez. 20 was Adrian Hernandez, 19 was Riley Gilliam, 18 was Dyson Acosta, 17 was Tony DeBrell, 16 was Jalen Palmer, 14 was Freddy Valdez, excuse me, 15 was him, uh, 14 was Junior Santos, 13 was Harold Gonzalez, 12 was Kevin Smith, 11 was Joshua Wolf, 10 was Shervian Newton, 9 was Franklin Killamay, 8 was Thomas Zapucky, Seven was David Peterson, six was Francisco Alvarez, and five is Mark Vientos. So we're going to pick up now with number four, and he was the first selection the Mets made last year in the 2019 draft, and that is Brett Beatty. And he's from Texas. He went to Lake Travis High School. He was very, very, very good there. He excelled in a bunch of different sports, baseball, basketball, football, and you can make the argument, and I'm sure we'll pick up on this in a couple of minutes, that a lot of the reason why he excelled so much was because 
he had a leg up on his peers athletically because he was a bit more physically developed than them because he was a older kid uh, to begin with. He was born in November and he was held back a year in uh, elementary school. Um, we'll, we'll discuss that later, but he did very well in high school. He eventually settled on baseball to focus on and with their first pick, the Mets signed him. He was the 12th player selected overall in the draft and he signed for $3.9 million, which was a little under $500,000 less than slot value. He started the year with the GCL Mets, um, very little time there, only five games, but he hit very well, and he was promoted up to Kingsport. He spent the majority of the season there, and in the 42 games in the Appy, he hit two twenty two with three thirty nine, four thirty seven with six home runs. And then in the final week of the season, he got a promotion to Brooklyn to help them with their playoff run, and in four games... Uh, he went, he hit 200, 529, 300, and then went 3 for 9 in their playoff run. Obviously, the bat is the most notable feature of Beatty. Um, he has a, a power swing. It's smooth and easy. Um, and the power is generated from just his strength. It's a quick bat, and there's a lot of torque. And he will probably have, you know, plus power going forward. The eye is good. He has a pretty good recognition of um, spin. He has, you know, he doesn't just kind of come up to the plate and just hack wildly. He has a plan. So those things bode well for his ability to hit for average. He didn't hit for much of an average in his um, debut season last year. But, you know, that kind of thing, the numbers don't really mean too much. And I think that he should obviously hit for better than, you know, a low sub-250 average going forward. Defensively, uh, much like Mark Vientos, it's just kind of... Eh. I think that Vientos is a little bit of a better defender in that he has a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more, let's say, reaction and range, whereas Beatty is just kind of like, from what I saw of him, is kind of like a big juke. Um he was kind of slow. A lot of, you know, past the diving baity plays. Um, made in, I don't know if it was, I'm, I'm sure it was ruled an error, but it's kind of thing, you know, dove off the glove. Um, the arm is really good. You know, he could hit like the, the low 90s with the arm. So it's just really more of a range reaction mobility kind of thing with him. Um, if he's forced to move off third, first base is again, like Vientos, the most obvious, um, place to put him. I don't think that he would really be able to handle being put in the outfield, cause he's not that speedy. Um, but, you know, he, he sometimes, in, especially in this day and age with positioning, being as advanced as it is, you know, it's, a guy in the outfield with below average speed being a below average defender, it's not, you know, that huge of a deal anymore. But hopefully he's able to stay at third. Hopefully in like two or three years we're we're having to have Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty fighting in spring training to see who wins the job. So what do you guys think? I know obviously Lucas was uh a fan of his before even the draft and was was happy that he was drafted so yeah i mean i had a i mean look i'm not going to make any real argument specific to to Beatty here um i think there's like we don't we didn't really get any, much information from his limited major league time like it looked like or not major league time excuse me limited pro time that would be pretty insane if he had major league time um uh because he's tired, it's a long season, it looked like he was out of sync, it looked like uh, he was trying to use the opposite field, perhaps to a fault. Um, what I thought was interesting is that uh, a lot of these older prep guys haven't done super well in the past, and 
as such, there's a bit of a bias against them, perhaps, and I don't know that that bias is really borne out uh, in the data. I mean, it's very difficult to you know, um, very difficult to make any conclusions about any individual profile because your signal to noise ratio is just so low because most prospects just don't work. So uh, I wonder if there was a level of underrating due to just due to the age, and that at this point maybe that's. Uh, the pendulum needs to swing the other way. Plus, like, I like bat first corner infielders, you know? Um, right. so yeah. Good question. I think um, I'm also not sure how deeply we should read into any of his stats this year or really anything. His uh, minor league stats? Yeah, no, I don't I don't care. Yeah, and I I don't care about his high school stats either. Like, <laughs> like well, yeah, in the other I, direction. I don't think we've learned anything really about him yet. Um, you know, he could really look like anything next year. It's, it's kind of similar to, um, you know, Kelnick didn't super impress superly, uh, during his only year in the Mets organization. And then look what happened. <laughs> There's a wide range of, of outcomes here. Yeah, absolutely. Still. Too soon, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was he gonna say? I, can I can I add uh, totally unrelated to his status as a prospect? I'm very disappointed his name isn't pronounced Batty. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be such a good name. That's my head cannon. Is I just call him Batty. Yep. <laughs> I'm I'm sure for like the next said anyway. Yeah, for like the next half decade, I'll wind up mispronouncing it half uh, half half the time. So it happens. Um, what was I going to say about him and Vientos could play at the same time when the DH is installed into the into the National League? Uh, what do you do with JD Davis? He'll be. I mean, we're talking like five years down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone seems convinced well JD Davis will be transformed back into a pumpkin by that point. So I'm terrified of that man. Yeah, uh, it's. I'm of the opinion that he did well enough where he he's he should be your plan A, although. I would definitely have like four plans B through D <laughs> laid out, and he would definitely not get a particularly long rope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm fine with him. Yeah, I'm fine with him starting the season as the as plan A in left field. Yep. Like we're a slump away from a Jake Marisnik in center field every day thing with him. Jake Marisnik yeah. minus a trash can. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which uh, not great. Given that he wasn't great with the trash can, that is very true. When you consider that, uh, all right. Well, here's a guy that hopefully will not be impacted by any trash cans when he makes his major league debut, and that is number prospect number three, Matthew Allen. And he was obviously the biggest surprise of the draft last year. Uh, he wasn't, you know, a complete unknown coming into the 2019 season, but he wasn't, like, at the top of the draft boards. But he had a really good showing in the summer of 2018, and then he had an excellent spring, um, and that included a, throwing a perfect game for Seminole High School, and he rocketed up the draft boards, and he was generally considered one of, if not the best, right-handed prep pitching prospect available. But he had a commitment to the University of Florida, and there were other concerns, and that kind of scared teams away from picking him. And he went undrafted in the first night of the draft, which included rounds one and two. So that night, obviously, um, Tommy Tanis, Mark Jamuda had a lot of work ahead of them, figuring things out, and planning how they would go into the second day of the draft, which is rounds 3 to 10, and working out deals with a bunch of different uh, agents and players. But when, you know, the second day of the draft started, they picked Allen with the third-round pick, and then in rounds 4 through 9, went with inexpensive college seniors, and they saved enough money to sign Allen, and they inked him to a $2.5 million signing bonus, which was... About six hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars above slide value, <clears throat> and that was a 
a crazy heist, basically, that they pulled off. And he went to the GCL Mets to start his professional career. He pitched well there. He was then promoted to uh, Brooklyn when the GCL season ended prematurely because of Hurricane Dorian and the threat of it hitting Florida. But you could make the case that he deserved to be, you know, promoted to uh, Brooklyn and get some light shined on him. And um, so against Staten Yankees in, on the last day of the Cyclone season, he made his uh, short season, uh, excuse me, New York Penn debut. He pitched, eh, okay, but it wasn't really, you know, it was really more of just a, a reward for doing well as opposed to, you know, really trying to see what they had out of him. But after the Cyclones clinched the postseason, uh, Allen became, you know, a kind of important guy, an important cog in the machine. And he made two multi-inning relief appearances, and he pitched five perfect innings. So obviously, in order to be considered one of the best prep high school pitchers, uh, excuse me, one of the best prep right-handers in a draft, you have to have really good stuff. And Allen does have really good stuff. Fastball sits in the mid-90s, about 94 to 95. And he has a little bit of extra zip he can give to it. And it could top out at 97 with a little bit of arm side run. And that's definitely an above average pitch. And then he complements it with a curveball and a changeup. And the curveball is really, really, really good. <laughs> definitely an above average pitch. It sits in the high 70s to low 80s and has really sharp, really big 11-5 break. And you can definitely say that his curveball was one of, if not the best curveballs in the entire 2019 draft class. I will say that it takes a back seat to Jack Leiter's, but I mean, it's like... The Delta is really close. Yeah, it's like 1A and 1B, really. Also, they're both like high school prep pitchers, so... That will literally change in two weeks. Yep. Um, I honestly think they're like um, going to be an interesting pair to follow. Like similar pitchers going into the draft. One decided to go to Vanderbilt. The other decided to go pro. I think that that's like going to be an interesting comparison point. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Is is Vander Vanderbilt's not one of those programs that runs their arms into the ground, right? No, no, no I don't think yeah. so. They're they're fairly they're pretty good about it. Sonny Gray is from Vanderbilt, I yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. Sonny Gray, uh, Walker Bueller. Case, uh, no, Casey Mice was Auburn, right? Uh, you yeah. think I'd remember yeah. this. Here, continue talking. <laughs> I'll pull up <laughs> the list. Well, basically, you know, in, in two years when the Mets draft Jack Leiter out of Vanderbilt, then <laughs> we'll see, we'll see the two of them. They're going to have to be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think they could do it. <laughs> The Mets have to be bad? You say, I, uh, I, I, can't, I can't imagine yeah, the they're Mets They're never being... really, like, top five in the draft. You, you unfortunately, you are correct, which is just incredibly frustrating. They're just right. bad, but not bad enough. Listen, with J.D. Davis and Jake Marisnik without a trash can in the outfield, so <laughs> you're telling me there's a chance. Um, But, yeah, so really good pitcher. And then his last pitch is a changeup. And, you know, it's an okay pitch right now, but when your worst pitch is an okay changeup as an 18-year-old, you know, high school pitcher, that's... Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm no shocked that... Up. Yeah, it's shocking that a prep arm doesn't have a good changeup yet, you know? Yeah. And then he is... Um, yeah, well, he looks it's like definitely flashed, um, Alan's changeup. About average... Yeah, I mean, he definitely snapped off a few good ones. Yeah. Um, when when I saw him enough, where you know, I'm, I'm it's going to be usable, I think. Oh, I mean, it's I think it's usable now, especially mm -hmm. against the guys that he's facing. I mean, they're not seeing advanced changeups yeah, really, but there's plenty of time for him to work yeah, on develop it, obviously. It. Yeah. And even though he is so young, he looks like physically like he's a 35 year old. Like he's just a well built, you know, six three, two twenty five. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, he's 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 filled out already. There's, uh... <laughs> it is the truth. 
I wasn't expecting him to be to look as strong as he did. Yeah, he is. He's a horse, and hopefully that means that in the future he'll be throwing, you know, two twenty-five innings plus, and they'll mostly be good innings. Knock on wood. But yeah, there is a lot. There's a lot to like about Allen. It was a crazy story that he was even drafted to begin with. It was a crazy couple of weeks. Hoping, wondering, are the Mets going to be able to sign him? Because if they weren't able to sign him, that would have basically made this draft a complete dud. One of the worst, if not the worst, in decades. Yeah, it was a big risk. But it all worked out, so there's a lot to like about Allen. I mean, it's kind of funny we bring up Blyder. I'm pretty sure... Most of us in in the Slack the night before were like, "Oh, are they looking at lighter?" Yeah, I don't think we thought about Allen at all, really. No, I didn't. I was no. like, I, I thought the same thing. I thought for sure when um the Cubs decided to go with I forget who it was, but the the pitcher from Stanford yeah. uh, over him after yeah. his name was leaked, I thought for sure he was going to end up at Florida. Who the hell did they take? I totally forgot. I was just reading the Cubs list yesterday and I forgot who they took. 2019 MLB draft. Someone not as good as Allen. No. No, it's like um, like a, a solid college pitcher. Not like yeah. an, anything, you know, super special. Ryan Jensen from Fresno yeah, that's, State. That's it. That's it. That's it. There we go. I mean, I, I, uh, we were very excited when he mm-hmm. got drafted. We were very excited that he's in the system. Uh, love me some Matthew Allen. Yeah. I mean, prep pitchers are, are risky no matter what, you know. Absolutely. But this is what the good ones look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, hopefully he stays healthy to get some of it to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's just Mike, Kirk, Mike Pelfrey without the... Whatever. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's take a quick break here, and when we get back, we will go over prospects number one, well, two and one. We'll be right back after this. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Saipo, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Tom Henderson. Ooh, Tom, that just didn't sound right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Henderson. There we go. And we just uh, spoke in depth about Brett Beatty and Matthew Allen, our four and three prospects, both of whom happened to be drafted this past season. And now we are going to talk about prospects two and one, both of whom are international signees, um, happen to be, and also the Mets' top international signees of those respective years. So number two, we have Andres Jimenez, and he was considered one of the best international rookies in the 2015 to 2016 class. And the Mets signed him for just north of a million dollars, and... In his professional debut in 2016 in the DSL, he was basically a man among boys. He hit 350, 469, 523 in 62 games. And obviously, numbers don't mean much. But as we've said many times, you'd rather see a guy post excellent numbers down at those levels when you know that there are, you know, good tools. Then you, uh, you know, you don't want to see them struggle, even though it doesn't really mean too much, but when 2017 season started, um, basically Jimenez impressed the Mets brass during extended spring training enough that as an 18-year-old with just DSL experience, they gave him a very aggressive assignment and sent him to Columbia, and um, this actually has 
kind of become a trend as we've seen with a few more than a few of their highly ranked IFA guys now. So we'll see if this is a thing that continues. But Jimenez was kind of the first. And in 92 games with Colombia, he hit you know, a decent 265, 346, 349. He held his own against guys that were years and years older than him. He's actually the second youngest player in the Sally that year. And he went to uh, Barwis Camp that offseason. And he kind of showed up to spring training last season lighter, more athletic, speedier. And he started the year, excuse me, not last season, uh, 2018. And he started the year with St. Lucie. He was one of the youngest players there in the entire Florida State League. He impressed. He hit 282, 384, 432, and 85 games and was promoted to Binghamton at the end of July. In the Eastern League, he was the youngest player in the league. And over his last 37 games there, he didn't, you know, hit as well as he had in the Florida State League, but he still hit pretty well. He hit 277, 344, 358. And he went to the Arizona Fall League after the season ended. Didn't really do that well. And then reported to camp in 2019 and was assigned to Binghamton. And again, he did not hit very well. He hit 250, 309, 387. In 117 games, and a lot of that, we believe, is tied to the fact that the Mets kind of tinkered with his swing, which we'll get up into a second. But after the season ended, he went to the AFL again, and we have some eyewitness reports that his bat, his swing kind of looked a bit more streamlined and not as rough as it had during the season. And lo and behold, because of that, because of just, you know, the competition level in the AFL, whatever it was, but he hit extremely well and he won the AFL batting title. So again, you know, doesn't mean much, but you'd rather see that than you, than the guy struggle. Absolutely. But the big thing with his swing change is that prior to this season, he kind of had a compact, you know, just linear swing that sprayed line drives all around, you know, for double, it was basically a double sitter. And we've noticed in 2019 that he was adding more loft and angle to his swing. And basically, it just wasn't really suited for him. And it basically resulted in a spike in the strikeouts because he's swinging over the ball and a lot of bad contact resulting in a lower batting average and... Yeah, it did have the intended effect of hitting more home runs. He hit a career-high nine. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think that says it all, a career-high yeah. nine. <laughs> While selling out for nah, – selling out might be a little harsh, but, but gearing towards – yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, selling Jimenez, out in, yeah. Jimenez is just not a home run hitter. He's, you know, listed at six foot 160. He's – Probably not exactly that. So, like, he's strong for somebody of his size, but you know, right? He's he's not a big dude. No, he's the guy that some guys just don't hit home runs. Yeah. yeah, and he's got all of these other things that should make you, you know, not want to keep the ball in the yard. But like, if you keep the ball in the yard and you're, you know, at least a plus runner, you know, that's an added benefit. Yeah. That mm-hmm. makes the delta between home run hitting and doubles power, you know, a little smaller. And he definitely is um, a good runner. He was always kind of, you know, average above average speed. But after that workout, week, couple of weeks at the Barwis facility, he kind of shed some weight and became more athletic and, and turned, you know, average above average speed into plus, probably plus speed. And he became, you know, a little more selective and smarter on the base paths. And then, obviously, being speedier helps in the field defensively. And he was yeah, like he was already extremely good at um, all the the, like soft skills of shortstop. I mean, no doubt he is plus a plus defender. Yeah, Um, he's everything that you know like like ken was saying all those soft skills everything that you want to see in the shortstop he does exceptionally well and like um i just remember watching him in columbia the jumps he gets are just incredible like yep 
He'll make like one or two plays a game where you're just like, how the hell did he even reach that ball? Let alone throw the guy out by two steps. Maybe, maybe not necessarily like Luis Guillerme. No, no, different than that. Cause he's, he's a better, uh, I don't want to say a better athlete, but like. He's like smoother. He's much faster. Yeah. Um, but like nobody's Luis Guillerme. <laughs> yeah. There's only one of those. <laughs> uh, no one has hands like that. But like Jimenez, he's just quick reactions, so he has and, and good instincts, so he's quick to the ball, he's smooth around the bag, he has good arm. Everything. The arm's probably yeah. the weakest part of his shortstop kick, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's good. Like Right, right. It, yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not saying it's bad as like the oh, worst yeah, yeah. part of his shortstop defense is yeah, his arms only Only good. very good. Yeah. <laughs> and we've heard from, you know, reports from people that he has like those intangibles that you just can't measure and i i've seen that i think myself that he's just like a really you know mature kid he's a really hard worker and he's just always like trying to get better and a lot of guys like you know i mean i'm not going to say that other guys don't do that because you know everybody has their own personalities and not knowing these players, you know, personally or anything like that. You know, think of like the Carlos Beltran thing where he always made everything look easy and people kind of got on it. It's him. not always visible. Right, exactly. But Jimenez, he just, he shows the hard work. He's always logging You can those. tell he's very serious yeah. about the game and being a professional. And he definitely is professional, which is something that, you know, 20-year-old kids, not always very professional, but... Jimenez definitely is, and that's that kind of stuff, you know, will only help his career in the future and his development. But yeah, Jimenez is not necessarily because, you know, he's kind of a backup dependent plus defensive player. I think that's a good way of, of kind of boiling him down. Not necessarily the the flashiest and most exciting player, but the floor is very, very, very high. And, you know, he, he has, you know, if he has a good year, you know, that'll be, excuse me, let me rephrase that. The potential for him to have an extremely high ceiling exists. It's just not necessarily a guarantee based on the kind of player that he is. But the, the floor is very high and, you know, these are the kinds of guys that go on to have long major league careers just because they're dependable. Yeah. He has that future, I think. He's going to be like a bat. In worst case, he's like a backup infielder for a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if he ever actually does play for the Mets a lot. I could see them using him as trade bait if they're good. Because, yeah. like, if they if they really believe in Rosario then you have him at short and Cano isn't going anywhere at second and then maybe third in the future and McNeil isn't going anywhere at third and maybe second in the future. So, like, are you just going to stick him on your bench? Like, I don't know what... If they really believe in Ahmed, then I don't know what you do with him outside of, like, a luxury bench piece, which you need. I'm not saying that would be a bad thing, but maybe some team comes calling to start him and you never know. But that's the thought I've always had with him. I yeah, really fair. I think that's fair. Um, I will say that I'll, I'll be sad to see him go. Uh, oh, me too. I'm not saying that I'm... One of those guys who, like, I, I get why you would want to trade him. It's just part of me thinks he's going to be good. You know? Yeah. No, I agree. Just having seen how he how he carries himself and um, how, how polished the defense already is, I really don't think he has to hit much. And I think if... If, if he does develop any offensive skills at all... Um, you know, the potential for, like, a really good big leaguer for a long time is there. It's just, I agree that, you know, if you're going to trade somebody, there's a compelling argument that he, you know, is the one to to trade, I guess. Yeah. Given just the roster construction and, you know, things outside of his control, really. I think it really depends on what Ahmed does. Like, Yeah, true. And that's always going to be, like, a, a question in Flux. You have two guys who, like, Ahmed, obviously the upside is very big. He can do things athletically that few can. Um, it's just, does he get the consistency there versus, 
Jimenez, who has a little more polish, a little more floor, I guess. Yeah, I think Ahmed has the higher ceiling, but I think yeah. Jimenez has the higher floor. So you're betting on one or the other, and it's really what you think could happen. Yeah, and I can see Ahmed breaking out 2020, and then here we go. Like, what are you supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of stuck. It sucks for for Jimenez, I mean, but it is what it is. Yeah. As as someone who has never been huge on Ahmed at the major league level, I'm. I don't know. I'd almost rather trade him than Jimenez. Maybe I'm crazy for that, but. I mean, it's going to be a question going back and forth probably for their entire careers. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a good question to have, I guess. Yeah. I would rather I, have that question than. What terrible person do we have to put a short? What terrible baseball player do we have to put there? So yeah, I'd rather either of them than uh, Omar Quintanilla. Yeah, <laughs> I had totally forgotten about Omar Quintanilla. Never forget Lucas. Mm. He's the he's the original Q. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, God damn it! Uh, I mean, I'll, 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 I I definitely went into last season hoping. That if if Imanis would have been good, I'm pretty sure I would have been pounding the table to trade Ahmed at, at midseason. Just like uh, I I I fully admit I just never got it with Ahmed. Like whatever. But Imanis having that down year kind of borks that whole plan. Because right? yeah. even if you don't see the upside, or you feel like you'll get someone else to buy the upside on Ahmed that you don't necessarily believe in. Uh, he still posted a league average line last season as a shortstop. Like, that's not bad. Um, yeah, and like his numbers for the year don't have any like huge red flags. The right. BABIP was a little high, but you know. Yeah, I, I'm, if you're trading Ahmed, I don't think you're trading him because he's currently bad. You're trading him to get some team to pay for more upside that they think is there. And if you don't think that upside's there or that he'll never get to it, you, you do that, but. I would give it given that uh Jimenez didn't really perform super well last year, I don't think he could we can really have that discussion just yet. Because who yeah. knows if his swing ever gets fully back. Like these things can sometimes stick and not in a good way. Yeah, it's a lot of like you said, a lot of things have worked because things went wrong all the same. Well not necessarily wrong, but things all happen at the same time to just make things that could have been more clear a lot more hazy. And then throwing even more confusion into the mix is the Mets' top prospect, Ronnie Mauricio, who also is a shortstop. And Nice segue, Steve. Yeah, he will be, you know, knocking on the door not as soon as as Jimenez, who will be, you know, knocking on the door next season. But Mauricio could conceivably, you know, Mauricio could be this year's Jimenez next year. Um, he was signed in 2017, again, one of the top rookies available during that international signing period, and the Mets agreed to a $2.1 million signing bonus for him, which broke the record at the time, which was held by Ahmed Rosario, and he, he didn't play that summer, and he made his professional debut in 2018 with the GCL Mets, so he didn't play in the DSL or anything. He hit well. And got a late season promotion to Kingsport. Hit okay, you know. Uh, but the numbers, uh, excuse me, the, the Mets were aggressive with Mauricio this past season in 2019. And even though he only, you know, he had about 50 games of GCL experience and then eight in the Appy, they elected to send him to Columbia instead of holding him back for either the Kingsport season or the Brooklyn Cyclone season. And Mauricio held his own. Um, there were times when he looked really good, and then there were times when he didn't, given the fact that he was such a young kid playing in a league, you know, where guys were sometimes four or five, six years older than him. You know, that's that's what you want to see. All in all, in 116 games, he hit 268, 307, 357. But there's a pretty stark difference, I think, in the first and second half. In the first half, 
which was 59 games. He hit 290, 333, 394. And then the second half, which is 56 games, he hit 244, 280, 320. So clearly he got tired as the year went on. That's to be expected. I mean, he's never, you know, his prior experience was about, you know, 55 games or so. And now he, he basically doubled that. And in that first half, the kid, as the youngest player in the league, was sniffing a 300 batting average with a very good OBP. And, you know, he's not a, a kid that's hitting for much power right now. It's definitely in his future, but a 400 slugging is pretty well, is pretty good. But, um, so he's a switch hitter, and as I said, there's a lot of, gonna, there's gonna be a lot of power and growth in the future. He's 6'3, 165 pounds, and that's like a leggy, athletic, frame that he has so it's going to fill in lots of legs it's going to fill in it's going to add muscle and the bat is conducive i think to hitting for power it's a quick whippy stroke from both sides um definitely above average bat speed and going into the into the future it will probably be above average power too and then defensively um He's not, let's say, as good of a shortstop as Jimenez is, but he is definitely, at the very least, an average shortstop. He sees, you know, quick reactions, so he sees the ball well, good instincts. He has soft hands, a quick transfer, and his arm is plus. The only kind of knock on him is that he's a, not not the rangiest guy, he's, you know, a bit below average as as a a runner so the range suffers a little bit but he makes up for it kind of like Louis Guillaume does where he's not the fastest guy but he just has very good reactions so it kind of makes up for it Mauricio is similar in theory you know again we're talking about a, a kid that's still growing let's say he puts on you know 40 pounds and just doesn't have the ability to stay it short anymore um you know he could definitely play second definitely could play third who knows if he would fit in the outfield he could i don't think though that there's really much of a concern that that happens that he that he's forced over shortstop though because he's just you know he is very athletic so even if he does let's say put on 40 pounds and he goes from 165 to 205 that's still pretty good 63 205 pounds as long as it's an athletic muscle he should be fine and you know there's it it's i i read in the comments a few days ago when we published mauricio's profile that people were like wow we all must be very down on him because the reviews and whatever are very meh and i can Agree and disagree with that because A, it's not so much meh as much as it is just kind of muted um, positivity because, you know, he, he hit okay, he hit well. There are definitely some, well, I wouldn't call them red flags, but, you know, there, there are good things that you saw in his season and there are also bad things that you saw in his season. Um but it's just a lot of him, a lot of his, the reason why he is rated our number one prospect is still just the potential that's there and not so much the present um, tools and or production. So I'm not saying that it's hard to get excited about a guy like that, but obviously, you know, if let's say he hit 350, you know, with, with 15 home runs, you're going to be a lot more excited about a guy that is manifesting all that potential than a guy where you're just starting to scratch the surface. So he should definitely be ranked top prospect in the system. And it's not that people are down on him, but it just, you know, it's, you're just starting to see his potential and it's, you know, it's generally better to keep expectations in check when a, a kid's literally right. 18. <laughs> like, Yes, he's very he's a very very good prospect. Um but let's let's not get carried away. He's still 18 for a few more months. 
I mean, I, I definitely not my favorite profile for a prospect. Like, I understand it's like a scout's pro, scout scout prospect, really. Um, I feel like we I feel like the we spend a lot of time trying to guess what's going to happen with a lot of these young international shortstop prospects, and really the answer is. I have no idea most of the time, so it's like, yeah, fun international uh, shortstop prospect. That has a hit rate of, checks notes, mm, carry the one, 7% or something like that. So, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic than most people, but we'll see. The tools, the, the physical tools are definitely there. I also think he's won because Jimenez was bad last year. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So, like, <clears throat> also because the system sucks. Yeah, like it's a combination of a lot of things. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Allen's won next year. Yep. Or someone else. Like maybe if I almost called him Batty. If Beatty. <laughs> <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> I was so close. It was on the tip of my tongue. If Beatty has like a really good season, he could jump up to one. Like, it, it's. Kind of like the top ten is kind of stuck. Like we can't really um, move anyone up, but I think it's very fluid within that top ten. Like I would, oh, yeah. because of how like they're all kind of the same and they're all young and for the most part they're all at the bottom of the system and it's hard to it's re- like like you were saying, Lucas. It's really hard to project all of it. Like it's all kind of like right now he is the number one prospect in the system. Were, were I a gambling man, I might have. I think the smart answer for number one next year is probably just Mauricio's chalk, but I'd say Alvarez or, or Allen have a good chance of taking that spot. Yeah, I, I think I think it comes down to Alvarez and Mauricio, depending on how the two of them perform, because they both have plenty of potential. They both play at very important key defensive positions, and they both excel in their defensive prowess. And I think it, and they're more or less at a similar level. Um, so I think, yeah, it comes down to whoever does better between those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, where there's a pref list, I might already have Alvarez and Allen ahead of Mauricio, but uh, I don't think that's a, ju- I don't think that's quite justifiable just yet. Do you guys want to go through our pref list and kind of? Well, Ken, we all know you have Alvarez at <laughs> one through five, and then uh, no, look. my my pref is uh, I think not not what I originally did, but what I've I've come to think. I think Mauricio Alvarez Allen, but the forearms, Ken, the forearms are pretty pretty huge. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's gonna hit. I think he's gonna hit a lot. <laughs> but catchers are really weird. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fair. Yeah, I had Alvarez at three. And it's really because of the position, and I think that he could hit as well. Like, I probably put too much value on the positional stuff, but... No, I think that's important. Like, there's, like, five catchers that are good both ways in majors. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, they just don't exist. So if you have one, like, it's it's something... it's It takes on a life of its own, almost. And, mm. like... Look at the Mets right now. Like Ramos is an okay hitter. Like I think he was above average last year, but he can't play defense for anything. And on the other end, like Tomas Nito is a terrible hitter and he's a good defender. So if you could have a guy who could like find you a catcher who could do both, then like you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be uh you, you have an advantage over everyone else just because no one else has that. That's why I really yeah. wanted them to sign Grandal. And I think he, if I was the GM, he would have been number one on my wish list. The, the fact that they missed on Grandal two off seasons in a row is going to bother me for like the next decade. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and this year they were just like, nah, it's fine. Like at least, like I don't want to say they tried, but they did try last year and it didn't work. And this year they were like Ramos. Ramos is a free agent at the end of the year, isn't he? Thank, thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, I think so. so. Does he have an option? No. I wouldn't I don't be think surprised. So. I'm pretty oh. sure he doesn't. I mean, of course, that leaves us with starting catcher Thomas Nito, yeah, backup catcher Ali Sanchez. Hmm. I think that's uh, bad. No, it's a free agent. Well, no, I lied. He has an option. He has a club has... option. Okay, mm. good. Okay, so he is a free... 
$1.5 million buyout. Yeah, I can't imagine he's on the team again next year. Well, that buys Alvarez a little bit more time to hurry up and develop. Absolutely. I mean, I I think if I were a betting man, I'd put my money on Allen just because I think uh, the prep pitcher prospects can really explode onto up the rankings very quickly. And he strikes me as someone who, like, looked real good in that limited uh, – In, his, like, like good ways to see, too. Right, like, right. Um, not not just you're striking – all right, you're striking out some people in the pen league, whatever. Just, oh. The mechanics are very clean. He's very deliberate with how he moves through them. Like um, curveball was filth. <laughs> yeah. And then there's – you know, so I, I kept going back and forth on who I liked better, uh, Jack Leiter or Matt Allen. And I definitely think he has more of a third pitch than Leiter did, when I at least when I saw him early in the year. Yeah, I think the changeup is definitely a lot more – uh, like Leiter, yeah, Leiter was kind of playing with um, like a changeup that wasn't very advanced and a slider that was a little better when I saw him. Um, and I think Allen's changeup is better than either of those. Right. It's exciting and also terrifying that Allen yes. showed up and was like, "I'm the best pitching prospect of the organization." By like, <laughs> Why did you have to go there? By like. <laughs> By by like ten mind. times by everyone like ten times better than every other pitching prospect in the organization, and he he threw like I don't even know how many innings it was total, like eight not many or so if you factor in the playoff exactly. Run. Like that's just how high his ceiling is, and also, uh oh, uh oh, Mets. <laughs> oh no, Mets! What is oh. you do? <laughs> it's another thing about Allen. Also, is they literally threw him into the fire. They said, okay, we are in a playoff run. Go pitch out of our bullpen. <laughs> and, you know, he did. And he did well. Exactly. Like, I feel like that's something that not every prep prospect could do. Actually. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of off the, like, intangible stuff that's hard to define. But, like, that's hard to just show up in a playoff run and be like, hey, you're going to be important to the bullpen now. And it worked. <laughs> Yeah, he strikes me as somebody who's extremely confident and uh, very, very serious about about baseball. Yeah. Let's hope that uh, his maturation continues there. <clears throat> All right, well, does anyone have any last words for the week? I wish the system was better. <laughs> we, we both did the same thing at the same time. I, I would settle for just more interesting. Yeah, that's fair. Not yeah, necessarily but... better, just... <laughs> I think it's pretty interesting. Um, next week we'll talk about some of the random dudes that just either barely didn't make the list and why they could next year, and the, I'm not going to say millions, but there, there's a good 10, 20 guys that, you know, are in the, you know, other player of note list that could make the... the list next year as i think it's definitely an interesting system um but if we were making a padres podcast or an indians podcast or marlins maybe not marlins but you know you could probably say the same thing about any system is that there's always guys in these random places that have potential and could be something and it's exciting and interesting whether or not that actually happens who knows i feel like I feel like interesting is a code word for the only talent in the system is below full season. <laughs> that is also a good that that's a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah. It's so young. Like there's so I mean, much that we don't know. None what of I these meant by interesting quote. is I would have liked I didn't see Binghamton last year because I figured there wasn't no. much for me to see. <laughs> you missed nothing. Uh like Andres Jimenez, yeah, I probably could have gotten a, a live look at him. Andres uh, Jimenez not hitting because they messed with his swing. Yeah, and but then, that was kind uh, of a bummer. Uh, David Peterson. Who, sure. You know, sure. He exists. Uh, <laughs> he does exist. Sapucky, like, yeah, that that's what I mean by interesting. <laughs> uh, but Taylor was at double A for most of last year. Now that he, but he's gone now, of course, so. Oh, yes. Who did I see in Binghamton that was halfway worthwhile? The only ones, I guess, was Jimenez, um, Riley Gilliam, and Matt Blackham. I forgot about Blackham. We love our upper minors, don't we, folks? 
Upper uh, minors, oh. fringy relievers. <laughs> we got a few. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions or comments, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and <clears throat> you can talk to us there. I'm at Steve Cyper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSDN. You can subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Please rate and review them. And thank you, obviously, for listening. And we'll be back next week with a little bit more uh, top prospects and goodness. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.